0: do a weekend early weekend edition of weekend fire yeah, Thursdays Thursday afternoon we're, we're almost there um, okay. we had a great game last night sixers jazz I'm pretty glad we waited this long to do the episode in the week honestly because we were treated to an awesome game um, a lot of storylines to get into sixers win in an OT um, just two two of my favorite teams to watch in the league Um really going at it with their contrasting styles, the Jazz being their uh, offense generated around the three, Philly being more about size and defense, but can hit threes themselves, two unique offenses. Um, and we'll get right into it. it. One of the games of the year, I would say, maybe not the game of the year um, so far, but...
1: There's been some really good Clippers. Yeah, there's been Clippers a lot games. of good games
0: games that we've yeah. seen. And, um, that that Bucks-Clippers game over the weekend was pretty good too. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm going to start off in the second quarter. The second quarter, the Jazz were up after one, and Doc Rivers goes with an all-bench unit in the second quarter um, when the when the Jazz were smartly staggering their guys, which pretty much everyone in the league besides Doc, it seems like, does this. Um, and this is something Doc that Brett is Brown, very old school. Yeah, Doc is super old school about that stuff. And it seems like Brett Brown even did this when he was with the Sixers, and he was a guy who, who was criticized a lot for his lineup decisions. But... Um, yeah, so it, it almost made the Jazz really pull away in this game. Um, they were up they were up 13 at one point, and it seemed like they were going to pull away. But the Sixers were able to cut it down to some runs, um, really, once the starters came in. Mitchell tried to dunk over Embiid pretty early in the game, and it probably would have been, like, one of the most violent dunks of the year. It was sort of like this windmill thing, and it, he barely missed it and got fouled. But um, that was a really exciting moment early on. Both teams were just, like, attacking each other with – how they play offense. And Bede was, it was clear earlier in the game that Embiid was having um, a, a career night and um, he was, he was, he was able to dominate Gobert the entire way through. And there's, there's kind of this trend that's sort of happening here. It's not, we don't have that much sample size where uh, Gobert is getting beat up by these elite centers. Um, it happened with him and with Jokic in the playoffs and b too.
1: I feel like he's a little bit more of an off ball presence and like Especially in like rim protection against smaller like guards or even like wings, more so than like a straight up post defender. And especially like with some of these guys, like their range is so much deeper that like Jokic and Embiid can kind of pull him away from where he's like most effective at the rim. Um, And and it's just like he's not the most like lateral like guy, especially like when matched up against a guy like Embiid.
0: No, yeah. Yeah, usually he's pretty good about, like, not taking the bait and not coming out to sort of chase these guys around. And I think you're right in saying that he's definitely better on the help side, um, sort of contesting these shots. But when when a one-on-one post player like Jokic and Bede can go at him, it can cause some problems. And we saw that a lot in this game. Um, But... Yeah. Um, fast forward to the early fourth quarter. The Jazz were up by five going into it. Um, Dwight Howard of all people takes over the game a little bit and starts with with his physical play. Just starts bodying guys, offensive rebounds, things like that.
1: And this was he, with the bench unit too. This was an all bench unit. Bro. Yeah. This
0: this yeah. this was this was another one of Doc's you know starting starting the quarter with an all bench unit and Dwight Dwight's a big part of that and he he's someone that has been I would I would say sort of disappointed for them this year. Um, on the Lakers, he was able to a surpass a lot of people's expectations. Certainly ours um, has some quality minutes, but a, a, a big portion of that was LeBron getting him good looks um, yeah. and him sort of <laughs> buying in on a contending team, but it seems like that's that might start to happen again in Philly. Uh, he's not getting as many minutes as he did in L.A. either because of how good Embiid has been this year, um, but he's someone who's certainly an upgrade for the Sixers over the likes of Greg Monroe, who famously was like a minus 11 in one minute in game seven versus Toronto with Kawhi. So, um, yeah, as long as you're going to improve
1: Definitely an improvement.
0: Yeah. That was that, that lost in that series. Um, so, um, yeah, D- Dwight was able to, to have some quality minutes and it, the game became really close. And then it, then it became the Mitchell Donovan Mitchell versus Embiid show, which was super entertaining. They were going at each other verbally, physically, um, Really much, really the whole night, but especially in the fourth, Indeed um, sort of coerced the ref to call a tech on Mitchell um, when Mitchell was arguing a call in the fourth quarter. He kind of just like motioned the the T like signal in yeah. the ref. Like, he did like, did. A big, like, a yeah, had, like a big, it was a huge, like It's like a meme now. It's pretty good. Um, and it's the like, Jazz I, I ref, feel like that Jazz, should be uh, a
1: technical too, right? Like, am I crazy? Like that's kind of taunting. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's taunting because he's kind of talking to the ref. He like right. he didn't really say anything like to Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell was kind of, like he started to, yeah. and then Mitchell kind of like said something back, and then Embiid was like, "Whoa!" Then like backed <laughs> up and the tech sign. But um, the Jazz are actually up at the end of regulation, and Embiid had angles on him down three. Which was kind of a weird situation for the Sixers because Embiid, you'd think Embiid is not going to be looking for a three, but he he sort of started to post up on him and then backed all the way up to the three. Ingles gets a really good contest on it, but he Embiid actually double clutches and hits the three over him with five seconds Crazy. left. <laughs> and the Jazz come down; they couldn't score, so it goes to OT. Um, and Conley was,
1: came really close on that too.
0: Yeah, Con- yeah, Conley almost Conley almost made it, but um, yeah, it was pretty backbreaking for the Jazz, I think, because. You think you, you, that's pretty, like, you're okay with giving up the two in that situation, and, and even if Embiid is able to kick out to a shooter, it's, everyone was sort of on the other side of the floor, so there was no one who was going to be wide open in that scenario. Yeah. Um, I think Jazz are smart enough usually to not ha- to not double Embiid and leave the shooter open in that situation. So once the game goes to OT, Embiid's still dominating. Um, Mitchell gets called for an offensive foul that we were talking about earlier, where he sort of he sort of did a spin move on Embiid, and um, like, like twi- they were kind of twisted together, and he, he, it's, he like sort of put his elbow in, but it was definitely not enough to call the foul on him.
1: I didn't think the elbow was the problem. I thought the refs called it on like the hook with his off arm, but like that was more on Simmons, almost like bear hugging him. It felt like, and so like that's why it looked like a hook. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's kind of weird. Clarkson had, Clarkson had a couple drives where it seemed like he got fouled, and um, the Jazz. We'll, we'll get to this later, but the Jazz had did not mince words when talking about the the officials in this game. Um, there was also another play late in the game where Embiid um, got rim stuff on the rim stuffed on a dunk, and Gobert touched him a little bit, but it wasn't like like a lot of contact. And the Jazz Embiid
1: were- sold it very well.
0: Yeah. No, it looked it looked real, like at first, like yeah. it looked like he did get hit, but he sort of just like jumped up, not high enough, and missed the dunk. And then Gobert yeah. was kind of like pushing him, which is kind of a normal thing.
1: Yeah, it's like one of those forearm deals, like like yeah. everyone does it, yeah.
0: But and you wouldn't think it would be able to move a guy like Embiid, and that's probably why Embiid sold it. Um, and that that changed the game a lot. Mitchell gets ejected later in OT. Um, the game was essentially over when this happened. He got ejected because he was trying to uh, cut the lead to two with a three. Um, and he thought Ingles maybe fouled him on the, on the shot. That Simmons. one was, or yeah, Simmons. That, that one was a little questionable. Um, it looked like Simmons may have gotten him, but um, yeah. the game, the, the game was not going to be won or lost on that play. I don't think.
1: They lost that because, well, Mitchell had a chance to put the jazz up by five in regulation and he had like a couple chances to get yeah. got the offensive board and he missed both shots. And I thought that was like more so where they lost the game in regulation. And then once overtime hits, I mean, it, Philly had all the momentum and then Tobias started playing
0: well too. Um, it's just tough. And Mitchell shot 12 for 34 in this game, but actually played pretty well. I think if you were watching the game, you would say he probably had a good game and, 33 points, eight assists, six rebounds, or maybe eight rebounds, six assists. But, um, yeah, I thought he played pretty well despite the shooting. I think that's more of a testament to Indeed's defense than anything at the rim. Um, and, yeah, but, but it's not like the Jazz shooters weren't getting going. They, they shot pretty well from three. Um, Philly just was able to ratchet the defense up and really frustrate the Jazz, I think, in the fourth and OT. But, um, yeah, the the – Embiid was the story of the game, though, and not the calls. And if, if you looked at if you looked after this game on social media, you would have thought that, it, that the referees would have been the story of the game. But Embiid had an, an awesome game, um, really good in pick-and-roll defense. He dominated Gobert. Um, and really, I think he cemented himself as the MVP leader by maybe one or two more lengths, if you will, um, in this game, right before the All-Star break, which is pretty yeah, good
1: time. I think we were kind of talking, I think it was last week, about how, like, Embiid hasn't had a big uh, sort of uh, prominent game in a while. It's let Jokic, it's let LeBron kind of catch up to him narrative-wise. And then this was it. I mean, I think they had the graphic after the game that he has five uh, 40-point, 15-rebound games this season, and the rest of the NBA combined has four. Um, It's just – remarkable what he's doing um and yeah i mean this is just another kind of case in point against a guy that might win defensive player of the year this year and he lit him up so it goes a long way
0: yeah um yeah the sixers sort of needed a signature win as a team it's it felt like and they they got this in this game um, this game strangely was not on national TV um, it was on the was clearly like if you looked at the slate of games yesterday it was clearly the best game on the board especially with uh, Davis being out for the Lakers but um, yeah, I, I think I – think, well, the, the game is so global now that if you wanted to watch this game, you certainly could have um, with, with yeah. our, our league pass access, access, as we joke about. But, um, yeah, the Sixers go into the break. They're probably on top of the world right now. They just beat the, the, best, the team of the rest, the best record in the league. Um, Jazz, they're still 27-9, and nine, um, and they're having what probably is their best start in franchise history. No consolation prize for them. They have lost three out of four since that Lakers game. Um but they played a lot of good teams, they've been on the road, it's been some back to backs, and um it's not like they've been gotten blown out by these teams. So um yeah, I think I think they can go into the break feeling pretty good about themselves and where they stand. So um but the comments after the game by the jazz players, Mitchell says this is getting fucking ridiculous about the officiating, it says that the jazz are being targeted and a bunch of stuff echoing that. I haven't really seen I haven't really. I,
1: I don't know what he's that. talking about. <laughs> I can't say I agree with that.
0: Like, I, I I can't think of like another game this year where the Jazz were like screwed out of it by the officiating. And yeah, I, I will say that this game, yes, they did definitely not get the benefit of the, of the whistle. But um, I don't
1: think it was game changing. You know?
0: Yeah, I, I think they definitely had a chance to win the game. It's not like it's not like there's some egregious call that was just like. No. horrible i guess if you wanted to point to one it would have been the it would have been Mitchell's offensive foul but yeah that, and I, that, I would say like had he gotten ejected after that foul or had he, had he fouled but, out maybe after that call or something you could maybe say that yeah. but that really wasn't the case the technicals was, was what him getting um too upset was what really cost them to lose
1: this game yeah yeah and they had a chance in overtime and- um, I mean, they had a chance in regulation. They had, they had, I think, nine seconds left when after Embiid hit that three. Um, so I, I don't know. They, yeah, a they had of a chance, lot. They
0: had yeah. time to get a good look for sure. Yeah. I'm not sure if they had so, a timeout, but they had, they had somewhere between. Uh, they them.
1: had, they had timeouts. I think they had two. I think.
0: So. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. They had somewhere like six to ten seconds to get that shot off, which is more than enough yep. time to get a regular uh, to get a good look. So, yep. um, yeah. Go Bears. Go Bears. Response was also um, very long. There was a there was a tweet of like a screenshot of what he said, and it looked oh, like, yeah. like a like an essay. Like his responses to the questions about the official. I didn't even read it. I was just it just looked so uh, long. It was like okay, skim through it. I yeah, it was it was a lot of just a lot of stuff. I just thought that was funny. Um, Conley also said um, some stuff that wasn't nearly as like um, I guess strong as what Gobert and Mitchell did. but um, And then Embiid had some shit talking about Gobert after, <laughs> saying, like, I'm not scared of him. I don't know why that's, like, a thing. And I guess he's right. I guess you can't yeah. argue so, um, yeah, really good game. Top team in the East, top team in the West. Um, this would be definitely in my, like, top three matchups that I would want to see in the finals. I uh, don't know. Yeah, I, I think so, actually.
1: Like, if we're not going to get either of the L.A. teams in there, if Utah is going to go to the finals, this is my top top matchup, for sure.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I, don't, I, I really don't think Utah would have would stand a chance against Brooklyn. And yeah. Yeah. I, I think just the, the guys that would have to defend, and I don't think Gobert is really, like, not effective in that series maybe. And then Utah-Milwaukee is not that interesting to me. It's just not, um, so, I don't know why
1: it's not interesting, but it's just not. Yeah. yeah,
0: I'd agree that I would want to see you like because this this game establishes some like bad blood too. So if you're yeah. like it'd be fun matchup. Mitchell's pretty vocal, and so is Gobert, and uh, you want to see two two centers going at it like that. um Simmons had Simmons played really good deep. We didn't mention him a lot, but he played pretty good defense on Mitchell's game. Uh yeah, I think this is a pretty fun matchup. I think yeah, I, I agree with you. You're not getting either of the LA teams. I think I think Lakers Nets obviously and uh, Clippers Nets would be really fun. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: <laughs> Those would I, probably I, be I, my I, top two that I want to see.
0: But... Yeah, it's hard to argue that like the Nets wouldn't be in your top two because oh they just it's so the insane. scoring and everything that comes with that. But um, yeah, I I think I think this would be really we'd be really fortunate to see this matchup. So yeah. Moving on to a team that will not make the finals, probably in the near future, um, the Atlanta Hawks, who we really haven't talked about on this podcast a lot this year, honestly. Um, they've been mediocre. Yeah, they've been mediocre. We, we weren't too high on them at the beginning of the year. Um, Higher than they are
1: right now, but yeah. Yeah, no,
0: I think we had them like bad. seventh or eighth. Right now they're sitting at 11th in the East, which is not a good place to be considering how weak the, I guess, bottom – the, the, East, yeah. the East has been this year. So um, they're pretty disappointing. They just fired their coach, Lloyd Pierce. Um, it seems like a lot of players in Atlanta were unhappy with him um, for a little while. Um, they have Nate McMillan as their interim. He's a guy that we like. He was Pacers coach for a couple of years. I think yeah. managed their injuries well and maybe overachieved with those teams. Um, didn't have a lot of playoff success, but ran into some really good teams, um, ran into Miami last year and really all the games were closed. If you remember that series um, and they, they, didn't have uh Sabonis for that. And that, that's just kind of uh, they like, didn't
1: really have a closer last year either. Right? So yeah.
0: That was the theme of those Pacers teams. They just were always missing their key guy and it's kind of continued this year, but um, back to Atlanta, their offense is built solely around Trey young. It's sort of like what Dallas has in with Luca, but um, maybe a honestly a better supporting offensive cast, offensive supporting cast than what Dallas has. I um,
1: thought so. Coming the into totality the season, of it.
0: Awesome. I think if you're, I think if you, you, I think John Collins is pretty comparable to what Porzingis is. Um, it's not better because Porzingis has taken a step back this year. He might be better, yeah. <laughs> and then you've got Bogdanovich on who hasn't played a lot, granted, but he's he's probably
1: injuries have hurt them a lot, yeah.
0: Yeah, compared to anyone that Dallas has, I think he's probably better than any wing that Dallas has. Um, and then you've got Hunter, who's been out in reddish. Um, Herder's a shooter. And that's oh, Gallinari this year as well. Yeah, Gallinari too. He's, he's been out for he's a been, while. But yeah, as for the starters, that's that's, probably one of, that's pretty much what you're looking at. Then Capel is a lob threat. Um, but – yeah, the offense filter around of Trey Young is not really working right now. Um, and they don't really have many good defensive players other than Chris Dunn and Capella. Capella's been great for them on defense, but Chris, Chris Dunn, Dunn hasn't played, hasn't played. And <laughs> yeah. um mm-hmm. Offensively, Trey is just not Steph, and that's really what they were going for in Atlanta, it seems like. Their, their GM, Travis Schlenk, came over from Golden State. Um, and sort of wanted – he talked about this openly. He sort of wanted to install the Golden State system with someone like Steph, and Trey was their Steph. But Trey Young's usage rate is way higher than what Steph was getting with those creative offenses, offenses in Oakland, which um, is, not what, is not what you're seeing from the Hawks. It's really like that it's, – it's sort of what Dallas has. Like I said, it's like that ball-centric. And Trey is just not nearly as good as Steph or Luca. So
1: I don't uh, think Trey, you can't really use Trey as much off the ball. Cause I think he can just kind of get hung up behind his own screens.
0: You know, yeah, and, and when, and when Trey is off the ball, then who are you giving the ball to it's kind right. of, becomes the question. So that, that's sort of a double-edged sword there. Um, and John Collins definitely agrees with that. He's had a lot of things to say about it um, in the past and that just that, like the offense needs to be sharing the ball more. That he wants to be more involved, um, and that's been an issue the Hawks have had to deal with. There's been some trade rumors with him. Um, not sure if he's going to get traded though. When Trey Young sits, the Hawks become the last, the worst team in the league on offense. They only score about 101 points per possession with him on the bench. Um, and when he plays they're actually seventh so still still good offensive team um the defense is a problem they also have a problem like it's similar to dallas a problem closing games um when teams sort of force trey to get rid of the ball there's not a lot of stuff that goes on um like with him off the ball sort of like when you double staff or harden at the top there's not really an answer there, um, and they, they've they struggled in these clutch games. They've blown they've blown a lot of leads in the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, um, I, I think it was the firing was coming. Um, I think it felt like internally, like there was a lot of a lot of problems there with with Lloyd. Um, I, I know that there was a lot of talk um, with Trey not liking how like Lloyd was running the offense, even though. It was, like, kind of being run for him. They had, like, issues. Um, obviously, John Collins, you mentioned. Uh, that's a guy that I, I thought – I think we both kind of thought that he might get traded over the offseason. Um, and then he, like, kind of stuck around. And, like, it was, just kind of felt like an awkward piece. Um, so, I, I don't know. There, there are a lot of, like, weird pieces in there that never really panned out the way that I think the front office expected. Um, Cam Redis, I think, is shooting at, like, 32% from three. Uh, this year. Um, so it's like, there are a lot of guys that you would think had a lot more potential coming in that never really got utilized. Maybe, maybe didn't get utilized properly. Maybe didn't get the player development they needed over the summer. Um, and, and they had the long, like one of the longest off seasons, right? Cause they would have been off since March, whenever the NBA shut down and then they didn't come back and they're practicing, but you know, they didn't play a game until this season started in December. So Uh, They had a lot of time to work on stuff, and uh, it didn't get better. And I think the expectation, uh, even from Lloyd, I think, was to make the playoffs comfortably and sitting in 11th, uh, 14-20, coming into the All-Star break is not going to cut it uh, basically halfway through the season at this point. Um, And as tight as the East is, uh, when you see teams uh, like the Wizards are kind of trending up, Charlotte seems to be overall kind of trending up. Um, so when you see that and you kind of see how the Hawks are mostly just trending down, uh, it's, yeah, the firing was coming and I think McMillan can probably write the shit enough to make the playoffs. I don't know how, t- like how far he can really get them. Um, I don't know if this is even a top six team. Um, this is probably a play-in team at this point, but
0: you, you never know. Yeah, I, you're—it's definitely right to say a bunch of those teams are trending up. The Knicks are trending up. So are mm-hmm. the Hornets. So are the Heat. Um, um, so are maybe Toronto. the Wizards. Yeah, Toronto's right there. So there's a lot of teams that are sort of in that middling class that are looking better than they started. Um, if you're, if you're Nate McMillan. Um, you want to sort of design an offense that's going to be able to utilize their other talent. That's not just Trey when he's on the ball, because clearly that's not working right now. Um, and I think he'll be able to do that. And once Bogdanovich comes back for good, that will be good. Um, same with Hunter. He can he's a good shooter, good defender. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's it may it may take a while because um, like this is something we talked about with the Bucks on defense with um, changing your style. Um, is not something that can be done overnight. Um, and, the, and the Bucks actually did start playing like different pick and roll coverages versus the Clippers, and they won that game. Um, but even that took a couple weeks for them to do. Um, and I, th- I think offense is probably harder because that's sort of the identity of your team, more so, especially in Atlanta. So, um, and this is in sort of something that's under the radar is that what if Trey Young's not happy about that, um, and he, he could be the guy who's You know, your next guy who's looking to get traded, um, that that creates a whole ripple effect and all that stuff that we've seen in the NBA in recent years. So, yeah, um, pretty much panic mode for the Hawks. I I think this is pretty bad. A little bit. (laughs) I I don't think – I think this is – when we were talking about the Celtics and the Heat, um, obviously the Heat have improved on their situation a lot um, in the last two weeks. But this is a team that is – if I had to say, like, what is the most disappointing team – maybe right now it's atlanta because the celtics yes they're below 500 but uh, i do think they have they have the capability to go on a run um and they're they're still a team that they can still play with these good teams and atlanta i don't think that's the case
1: No, yeah, and like a lot of these teams the celtics raptors uh Heat, they all have the defense that they can kind of fall back on that atlanta just doesn't have um and so unless something radically changes on the defensive end like i they got to figure out the offense like now and and just kind of pick it up. And, and if they want to make the playoffs, uh, th- there's a lot of work there to be done.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. Um, all right. Moving on to the Lakers, who have sort of been able to weather the storm without AD. Um, it's taking a lot of – taking a toll on though um, – that's really the main problem here. I don't think they really care where they are record-wise as long as they are in that are in the top three by the end of the season. But what have you seen out of them?
1: Um, Lakers have it just kind of look like the offense sort of struggles a little bit to to kind of get going without AD. Um, I think AD's impact on like the way they're able to kind of space out the floor and how much he sort of draws in a lot of like the weak side helps. Um, kind of gets understated. Uh, it's something that I think I, I talked about uh, maybe in their Bucks game uh, way early in the season. Uh, but it, it just sort of kind of makes the spacing for guys like KCP, uh, Kuzma, Caruso, whoever it is, a little bit easier. Uh, and they've been kind of struggling in some of these bigger games against, uh, you know, some of the teams basically above 500 uh, recently because they don't quite have the offensive, I guess, like go that they were in to kind of have with AD. Um, LeBron's tried to shoulder a lot of the weight, but, uh, like, he – I don't want to say that he can't do it alone, but, like, it, it's just a lot tougher for him to do it alone now against some of these top teams um, with the way that, like, defense are able to kind of
0: kind of key in on him a little bit better. It sort of becomes uh, reminiscent of what their 2018 Cleveland team was for LeBron. yeah. Like there's just not a lot of stuff around him and he's, he's in a position three years later. That's just not ideal for what he's trying to accomplish. Um, and yeah, it's sort of, they sort of get to the end of these possessions and it's LeBron having to bail him out. Um, and that's not ideal at all because he's sort of getting the ball back with little time the shot clock and just having to create something when you're not an, an excellent shooter. Um, that's that. That gets even harder to do. Uh, I think, I think there'll be. I'm not. By the time that All Star break ends, Davis is not going to be back. That's the issue. Um, and he's yeah. someone who's struggled a lot with injuries. They said three to four weeks initially. I think by the time he actually comes back, it's probably going to be looking like six or seven uh, potentially. Um, I, I think by the time he does come back, the season will probably be. Right now, it's halfway over. I think the season will probably be. 60 to 67 percent over um and that's that could be a concern for the lakers although they're they're not dropping that much in the west um the suns are the suns are peaking right now um going into the break and maybe they could be the team that um sort of makes a run here but there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of teams waiting in the wings in the west who are just who can who who are going to take their opportunity to beat this, beat this Lakers team while they still can, I guess. Blazers. (laughs) Yeah. Blazers, warriors, a lot of teams like that. Um, And yeah, I think, I think the Lakers are not going to panic because they're the Lakers and they know what they have, but, um, and I, am not saying they should rush AD back, but I think LeBron will definitely enjoy the rest and we'll see a rejuvenated version of him with or without AD when, when the All-Star break comes, when the All-Star break ends.
1: Yeah, and I just thought, I mean, like, because the Phoenix game that they had earlier this week, national TV game and Booker gets ejected and to still lose that game and really the only reason they were kind of in it in the fourth quarter of that game was, I think, because LeBron hit three straight, like, three pointers in a row. Um, and just kind of kept the score, like, in single digits um, for a little bit. Um, but, yeah, like, when, when he's sitting, um, there's not a whole lot of other guys on, on the team that can kind of create offense for themselves. Uh, I think people expected Schroeder to be a little bit better, um, and maybe he hasn't quite been, like, again, like, he, he works when you have AD on the floor. Um, it's not a replacement for AD, and he can't fill that gap. Yeah, um to kind of bridge while ad is out to be able to you know kind of churn out offense consistently um, which I think is, is probably the biggest problem that they have right now is that they have a whole bunch of guys that are kind of in that shooter's role right whether it's Wesley Matthews who they brought in who's kind of just a shooter um Defender and like he's great at that but he's not going to create offense for you um so I don't know it's it's kind of a weird situation that when you build your team around two guys and one of those guys is out, uh, I think it's kind of just tough to, to weather the storm.
0: Yeah, um, but it, it's good that the break is coming up because they definitely need it. Um, and next this time next week, I think is when games are going to resume again. So maybe LeBron will, will really take this time to get healthy. He is playing an All Star game, but um, I, I don't know how much he'll play. <laughs> yeah, I don't think yeah he might he might take a step back. Um, okay, moving on to the Rockets, who have lost thirteen in a row. Um, pretty much right after we sort of praised them in an earlier episode—not um, praised, we sort of, we were, yeah, pra- I think praised. Strong, we give give ourselves a little bit of credit here, but we were <laughs> we were just saying how they were doing better better than expected without Harden, um, thanks to really Wall and Oladipo. Both of the both of them dropped off. Oladipo Espo- Ol especially, he declined the two-year forty-five uh, extension with. The Rockets, that was the max they could offer him. So that's basically a signal saying, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, we've seen Miami as an interest for him. We've seen the Knicks too. Um, he, I guess not famously, but I, we just thought this was so ridiculous at the time. And he was talking to other other teams like after games with the Pacers, just saying, Oh, like, I'd love to come there. Um, so it seems like he wants out. It's unclear whether he's going to get traded at the deadline. Um, yeah. It seems like he will be. It seems the the, the trade deadline is going to be pretty fun this year. It seems like after after the past couple of years, there not being a lot of action. Um, I think the most like groundbreaking transaction I could remember for the trade deadline in the past since like twenty nineteen is probably Gasol to the Raptors. Um, yeah, I, I remember being I was excited about um, Miritich to the Pelicans that year. <laughs> too, but yeah, I think it's still, it
1: saw the Raptors. Out terrible,
0: yeah, yeah. I guess salt to the Raptors was a pretty big deal at the time. I, I, we haven't really seen a move um, that substantial sense, really. Um, yeah, twenty-eight teams, big year with the Cavs, sort of changing their roster like a ton right at the deadline. But yeah, they have those three-team
1: trades. Like, I think it was like yeah. The past couple years have been pretty
0: boring as far as trade stuff goes at the deadline. So, um, yeah. it's looking like there's going to be a pretty pretty uh, good environment but um, on the old depot side um yeah it's, it seems like this team there's a lot of there's a lot of incentives to the tank it's a really good draft um the west is really hard this year so i think that's what you're going to continue to see and i don't think he wants to be part of that so maybe he does get moved i don't think miami is going to ultimately want him um i think that's Knicks the, are
1: probably the front runner right
0: yeah i just don't see miami really doing that right now i think they're probably more content with their team yeah um but, I also don't
1: think they have the money
0: that, that Oladipo wants. Yeah, that's probably true. If you decline yeah. that contract. So uh, anyway, just thought, we, just thought we should mention that because that was a big piece of news. But um, since we are halfway through the season here pretty much um, at the All-Star break, it's usually the halfway point, which is where we are. Um, we're going to reevaluate our, some of our biggest predictions that we had before the season in that uh, two hour, almost episode that we had. So, um, our probably best thing that we said was that the Jazz would make the Western Conference finals. Um, that's looking pretty good right now. Yeah. So, um, and I would say our worst is maybe the Nuggets getting the one seed. They're currently seventh or eighth right now. Um, so, yeah,
1: <laughs> that was a big mistake.
0: Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I think if I had a prediction for the second half of the season, it would be that the Nuggets are going to go on a run and maybe cr- creep up to fifth or sixth, um, move a couple spots. And I also think that when KD comes back to the Nets, they're going to blow everyone out of the water and get the one seed easily in the East. So
1: oh, Easily in the East, okay. Um, I, I think my surprise prediction in the East might be that I, I think – Milwaukee can maybe come back and make a little run here uh, towards the end. Yeah, they look, good. Um, they look good. Yeah, and maybe sneak out the one seed. Uh, I, I don't think – I think the race in the East is going to stay pretty close throughout. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Bucs uh, – getting the win over the Clippers I think was huge um, just because they needed a, like, primetime national TV win. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they have it. I think that gives them a lot of confidence. I think Giannis's confidence is just growing – uh more and more we've seen it kind of in the free throws i think he's taking a little bit more uh he's being a lot more assertive towards the end of some of these games uh which he wasn't always being before uh, he did it against the lakers he did it against the clippers um and, and yeah i like to see that i think middleton maybe is is kind of playing a little bit worse than he was uh towards the start of the year but if it gets offset by Giannis playing better i don't think it's really that much of a problem um but yeah, on the on the west side, I don't really have too many of a too much of a bold prediction. I think the Nuggets will sneak their way up into about a four or five seed. I think uh, I could see kind of Portland dropping off a little bit. Um, I just don't know how long their kind of run is sustainable. I think the Spurs.
0: I think the Spurs and Portland would probably be my two drop-off.
1: Candidates. A little bit, yeah. Um, Spurs maybe more so, but uh, I just think the Nuggets uh, and Murray's been playing really like consistently well. Uh, last, I think it's been about three weeks a lot. Um, so it's, it's been good to see that. Um, and I mean, Jokic is still playing at a, at a near MVP level. Uh, so I'm not uh, too worried about the Nuggets just yet. Uh, but yeah, I mean, outside of that, I don't really have any bold standings predictions. I think it's pretty much going to stay pat. Um, there's nothing that, that we've kind of
0: not already seen um, on, on either side. Can we even argue against the Nets being the prohibited favorite right now?
1: I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't okay. think it's a team that looks
0: like it. Yeah. I, I think once they get KD back, they're going to turn into a buzzsaw again. And... Yeah.
1: I mean, Bruce Brown's already
0: looking good. With the Bruce Brown's averaging now. like 20 a game right now. It's, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> Harris is over 50% from three still. Yep. So, yeah, they're going to become a machine um, as they get used to each other. But um, – Anyway, I think that's all for us today. Um, enjoy the All-Star game. Enjoy the dunk contest. If you even know any of the guys who are in it. Um, who is it's a big roster this year. Yeah, have you seen it? It's like three people. Uh, um, nice. And three-point contest is looking good. But All-Star game should be fun. Um, I guess we will – I mean, unless, like, something completely ridiculous happens in the All-Star game, we'll probably be back the week – like next weekend i guess because um because games don't start up again until uh thursday so um a week from today so yeah but the all-star game has that elam ending remember which will be very entertaining so yes yeah all right that's it for us we will see you guys when we see you